Good morning, and welcome to Simply Space. It's Tuesday, January 30th. On today's show, super telescope images reveal mind-blowing new details of galaxies, and space station astronauts perform zero-gravity research as Cygnus counts down to launch. Plus, Space Shuttle Endeavor's vertical lift is underway at California Science Center. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Space. We start off with an exciting update from the cosmos. The James Webb Space Telescope, or JWST, has delivered another series of striking images. This time, it has captured 19 spiral galaxies in unprecedented detail. To illustrate the leap in imaging capabilities, NASA has published these images alongside older versions taken by the Hubble Space Telescope. Here to discuss these new images and what they mean for our understanding of the universe is our correspondent. Michael, can you tell us more about these images and why they're significant? Certainly, David. The JWST is more powerful than the Hubble Telescope, with a larger primary mirror that has six times the light-gathering power. It also has deeper infrared vision, which allows it to see through the dust of galaxies and reveal stars that were previously hidden. These new images are not just visually impressive, they also offer new insights into star formation and the structure and evolution of galaxies. So how exactly does the JWST capture these images? Are they similar to the photos we take with our phones? Not quite, David. The telescope picks up what's invisible to the human eye. Back on Earth, scientists assign colors to those data points to visualize them, creating what's called a representative color image. For example, in the image of spiral galaxy CNG 628, the tiny pinpoints of light blue in the center are older stars, while the orange and red bits are visualizations of gas and dust. And what about those dark gaps between the spirals in the images? Astronomy professor Adam Leroy suggests that these could have been created by the impact of one or more stars exploding, which would have carved out giant holes in the interstellar material. This is just one of the many insights these images can provide. How far away are these galaxies that the JWST is capturing? The closest of the 19 galaxies in NASA's latest collection is NGC 5068, which is about 15 million light years from Earth. The most distant one, NGC 1365, is about 60 million light years from Earth. These distances give you an idea of the incredible capabilities of the JWST. So beyond providing these stunning images, what is the broader significance of the JWST's work? The data collected from the telescope is crucial for our understanding of the universe. As Janice Lee from the Space Telescope Science Institute put it, these images are mind-blowing, even for researchers who have studied these galaxies for decades. They're revealing details about the star formation cycle that were previously unseen. This is a major stepping stone for galaxy research helping us build a more reliable, holistic view of star life cycles. That was Simply Space reporter Michael, sharing some fascinating insights. Speaking of space, the Expedition 70 and Axiom Mission 3 crews have had a busy start to the week, preparing for cargo missions and conducting space research aboard the International Space Station. Among the new science experiments being delivered is a metal 3D printer and a robotic surgery tech demo. Here to delve deeper into this is our correspondent, Abby. Can you tell us more about these new experiments? 
Certainly, David. The metal 3D printer will test the 3D printing of small metal parts in space, which could have significant implications for future space missions. The robotic surgery tech demo, on the other hand, will test remotely controlled surgical techniques. This could potentially revolutionize healthcare in space, enabling complex medical procedures to be performed remotely. Interesting. And who will be responsible for the arrival of these new experiments? NASA astronauts Jasmine Mogbelli and Laurel O'Hara have been training for the arrival of Cygnus, which is carrying these experiments. Mogbelli will command the Canadarm2 robotic arm to capture Cygnus, while O'Hara will monitor Cygnus's automated approach and rendezvous. What other activities have the crew been engaged in? The crew has been busy with a variety of tasks. They've been collecting blood, saliva, and urine samples for analysis to understand the effects of weightlessness on the human body. They've also been studying how to use the CRISPR method to genetically modify plants, which could promote space agriculture and sustainable life support systems. Additionally, they've been preparing the station for Cygnus cargo transfers and recording video messages for students. And what about the crew members from the European Space Agency and Roscosmos? Station Commander Andreas Mogensen from the European Space Agency started his day with a cognition test to measure his abilities in microgravity. He also supported the AXE 3 crew and prepared the station for Cygnus cargo transfers. Over in the Roscosmos segment, cosmonaut Oleg Kononenko repressurized thermal control system components and swapped batteries inside hardware designed to inspect difficult-to-reach areas on the station. I understand there was also an orbital reboost recently. Can you tell us more about that? Yes, the space station is now orbiting a few miles higher after the Roscosmos Progress 85 cargo craft fired its engines for over 13 minutes. This reboost lifted the station to the correct altitude for an upcoming Progress cargo launch in February and the next Soyuz crew swap planned for early spring. Thanks for those insights, Abby. Now, Let's shift our focus to a remarkable operation taking place at the California Science Center. The Space Shuttle Endeavor is being hoisted by a 450-foot crane into the future Samuel Ocean Air and Space Center in downtown Los Angeles. This will be the permanent home of the retired orbiter, which stands five stories tall, has a wingspan of 78 feet, and weighs 170,000 pounds. Here to discuss this further is James, a correspondent for Simply Space. Can you tell us more about this maneuver, James? Certainly, David. The Endeavour began to rise around 9.30pm PT, lifted by the nose by the 450-foot crane, with a second, smaller crane for added support. It will be moved over the partial structure of the new centre and slowly into liftoff position, where it will be attached to a 65,000-pound external fuel tank and a pair of solid rocket boosters, completing the future display. That sounds like a complex operation. How was it planned? The move was meticulously planned with help from NASA engineers. The team had also considered an approach that would involve backing the orbiter into the facility and then lifting it to the vertical position. But the option they chose was considered safer and gave them more control. The maneuver had to be executed when there was almost no wind and at night to avoid atmospheric pressure differences caused by the sun. And how did the Space Shuttle Endeavour come to be in California? The Space Shuttle arrived in California in 2012, mounted atop a Boeing 747 that landed at LAX 
before completing a 12-mile journey across the streets of Los Angeles to the California Science Center. Since then, an estimated 18 million people have visited the orbiter while in a temporary display. What can you tell us about the future Samuel Oshin Air and Space Center? The groundbreaking for the 20-story Samuel Oshin Air and Space Center was in the spring of 2022, and the building is expected to be completed in mid-2025. The California Science Center Foundation is actively fundraising to complete the 200,000-square-foot structure, having raised $360 million of its $400 million goal. Thanks for the insights, James. Speaking of things to look forward to, let's shift our focus to PLD Space, a Spanish aerospace company, which has secured 40.5 million euros from the Spanish government following a preliminary design review of its Miura 5 launch vehicle. The funding comes through the government's PERTA Aerospace Initiative, aimed at supporting the development of the country's aerospace industry. Here to delve deeper into this is our correspondent, Bella, can you tell us more about this funding and what it means for PLD Space? Certainly, David. This funding is part of a broader post-pandemic recovery effort in Spain. PLD Space won the funding after an independent committee examined the preliminary design review of its Mura 5 small launch vehicle. The award is technically a loan, which will be paid off over 10 years once Mura 1 begins commercial operations, currently scheduled for 2026. What can you tell us about the Miura 5 launch vehicle? Miura 5 is a small launch vehicle with a payload of up to 540 kilograms to low Earth orbit. The vehicle's first stage is designed to be recovered through ocean splashdown and reused. Test flights are scheduled to begin as soon as 2025 from a launch site in French Guiana. The vehicle builds on PLD Space's experience developing the Miura 1, a suborbital rocket that successfully launched for the first time in October. What are the next steps for PLD Space following this funding? PLD Space is now working on tests of components of the Teprel C engine that will power the rocket, as well as opening a new headquarters facility that will host initial production of the Miura 5. Work on the launch pad on French Guiana will begin in the second half of the year. To support that work, PLD Space plans to nearly double its workforce from its current 165 employees to 300 by the end of the year. And what about the cost of developing Mura 5? Has the company disclosed any information about that? The company has not disclosed the projected cost of developing Mura 5. However, they have mentioned being very equity efficient, having developed the suborbital Mura 1 for 30 million euros. They are currently in the process of raising more money with very good interest from institutional investors and family offices. PLD Space was also selected to participate in the European Flight Ticket Initiative. Can you tell us more about that? Yes, the European Flight Ticket Initiative is an effort by the European Space Agency and European Commission to provide flight opportunities for technology demonstration payloads. PLD Space, along with four other launch companies, will be eligible to compete for task orders for launching individual missions. This effort is seen as a first step to opening up a wider array of European institutional launches to competition. That was Simply Space reporter Bella shedding light on PLD Space's recent funding and its implications for the company's future. And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply Space, 
We'll see you back here tomorrow.